Thank you, praise team. What an awesome song to lead into our message this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be in a number of different places today, but we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 5. I hope you have your fingers ready because we're going to move around a little bit. Uh, At least in God's word, we're going to look at a couple of different sections. We're going to go to a number of different places But Pastor Lowell's been working his way through the book of Ephesians, and we've gotten up to the book of Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to dig in here in a moment. But I'd like you to think about something before we do. Do you have somebody in your life that no matter what the situation is, no matter uh, where you are, what kind of chaos is going on around you, if they speak, you hear their voice. Like, it's, it's weird. Um, my dad is like that. When I was in high school, um, my favorite thing to do as all the way through high school was I wrestled. I was on the wrestling team in high school. That's basically why I went to high school was so that I could wrestle. And uh, kids, don't do that. That's bad, okay? Uh, get an education. Um, but I went to high school so that they would let me wrestle. And I loved wrestling. And, and I grew up in Pennsylvania. And in Pennsylvania, wrestling is a huge deal. Like, top three states in the country as far as wrestling is concerned. Penn State has won, I don't know how many national wrestling championships out of the last 10 years there. I mean, it is a big deal. And this is going to seem weird. And the reason I even give some of this information is because it's going to sound weird. But like, we would have wrestling matches in our gym. And I don't know if you've gone to wrestling matches around here, but I don't know that I don't know, 15, 18 people will probably show up for wrestling matches. When I was in high school, where we were in Pennsylvania, the gym was packed. Like, nobody came to basketball games. Everybody came to wrestling matches. And it was incredible. There would be hundreds of people in the gym. I'm out there wrestling with this other guy, and we're in the midst of this struggle. Either I'm being beaten on or I am beating on somebody. And I'm in the midst of this struggle. And my dad, who's like... 30, 40 yards away at the top of the bleachers says this thing and I could hear him as if it was directly into my ear. It was crazy. Every single word my dad said, I heard. It was unbelievable. Like, I have no idea why except for the fact that my mind had been so trained to hear him all of my life, that even in the craziest of circumstances, the oddest of scenarios, the most insane stuff going on around me, my dad says it among hundreds of other people yelling things, and I hear it. It was incredible. It was incredible. And I wonder... How well we do with being able to hear God in our lives. I wonder if we are able to recognize God when he interacts with us. Now understand, I don't mean mean hearing an audible voice. That's, That's not what I'm talking about at all. But I do mean the idea that we have this relationship with God that allows us to understand 
his interaction with us. I'm going to tell you another real quick story. Um, this is about a year ago. About a year ago, uh, my wife and, and my kids were away at her parents' house for the weekend, and I had some stuff that was going on around here. I, I'm pretty sure I had a, a pastoral meeting or something like that, and uh, I wasn't able to go. But when it was finished, we got done with our pastoral stuff uh, Saturday early afternoon, and I thought to myself, you know what? Wife isn't around. Kids aren't around. It's a Saturday afternoon. It's like 70 degrees outside. That has the word golf written all over it. And so I thought, you know what? This would be a great day. I'm going to go golfing. And I decided, I was like, I don't know where to go. And I started thinking about it a little bit. And, and I decided I was going to go to this place down closer to D.C. that I hadn't really played before down in Virginia. And I, I get my stuff. I get everything I need. And I head down there. And I went down there by myself, which was really odd because... I never go golfing by myself. I just don't do that. And probably a number of you are sitting there thinking, dude, why didn't you call me? Um, but I, like, I, I never go by myself. So I decided to go down to this place in Virginia and, and go golfing. We dro- I drove for a little while and I get there. And when I got there, they said, hey, we, we have your tee time. You're all set up. You're going to be playing with this guy. And uh, it's often the case, you go to a golf course by yourself, if there's any form of activity going on there, they're probably not going to just send one guy out in a group, they're going to put some other people with them. And so, it was a pretty cool experience that day. I sat down in this cart with this guy, and this guy was driving, and we played our round of golf, and I tell you, it was, it was the most incredible four hours, because for four hours, this guy opened up his life to me. It was unbelievable. By the time we got to the first green, so the end of the first hole, 15, 20 minutes into it, I knew that this guy was in the process of going through a divorce. I knew that he had some children. I knew that he was struggling in his job. He was in the transition to moving to a different location. And and here's the deal. It was like all gift wrapped. I didn't hardly say anything. I sat down in the cart and this guy just started talking. And so for four hours, I got to sit there and interact with this guy about his life. And I got to tell him about God. I got to tell him about my life. I got to tell him about where I go to church. I got to tell him about the fact that I teach at a Christian school. I got to tell him all sorts of stuff. And here's the deal. He had no place to go. He couldn't do anything. He was stuck in a golf cart. Unless he was going to grab his clubs and head out of there, he had no place to go. And here's what's interesting. I recognize the sovereignty of God in this situation and the way that God brought all that together and the way that God put those pieces exactly at the right spot. But even how I told the story I minimized the value of the Holy Spirit. Even how I just told you about this, I diminished the role of the Holy Spirit in it. Because here's what's interesting. I just said that after I got out of my meeting, I had a thought that I should probably go golfing that day. I had that thought? Hmm. I thought for a second to invite some other people with me, but then I decided 
to go by myself. I decided? Maybe. All of a sudden, out of the blue, this golf course that I never play at pops into my mind that I should go play there. It is incredible how we take credit for a lot of stuff or we talk away the value and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I really love that, that song. Thank you, Steve, for, for picking that. If that was on you, good job. Thank you. Um, the, the bridge in that song says, let us become more aware of your presence. Man, what an awesome phrase. We're in Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to start at verse 18 this morning, but I want us to look at the second half of verse 18, and I want us to sit down on this one phrase that uh, Paul says here to the believers in Ephesus. But I'm going to read the whole verse. He says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. And Pastor Lowell spoke last week heavily on the idea of, of drinking and the influence that it has in our lives. And I don't want to take a lot of time in that because, honestly, Paul's just using that as a comparison here. But then he says the phrase, but be filled with the Spirit. We're going to keep going and read to the end of that little section there. It says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to your heart to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I want to talk about the phrase, but be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has lots of roles in the life of a believer. The Holy Spirit was huge in you coming to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit has a role of conviction. He's a part of you being born again in the regeneration process. When, at the point in time when you are saved, he baptizes you into the family of God. He seals you until the day of redemption. Basically, he holds you and he keeps you. The Holy Spirit has so many roles. And a lot of this stuff happens at the point in time of your salvation. But this statement here is being stated to people who are already believers in Jesus Christ. And they are being told, they are being commanded to be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. That's an interesting phrase. It's an interesting way to say that phrase. If you look at this, it's asking us to do something that we don't necessarily do for ourselves. I want you to think about how it's being said. I'm in no way an English grammatical expert in any way. But if you look at the phrasing here, it says that we are supposed to be filled. Be filled. Really, be filled here, it really means be controlled by or be led by. But in this idea of be filled, we aren't the ones doing the filling. It is being said in a passive tense. It's, it's not I do it. It's not an action that I complete. It's an action actually that I allow to be completed. 
That's a little bit weird. Normally when we're commanded things in the Bible, we are commanded things that are active. We are commanded things that we do. Like for example, love one another. You love one another. Encourage one another. Submit to one another. It's something that you do. But this phrase is different from that. This isn't something that you do. This is actually something that God does to you. But yet you're being commanded to have God do something to you. That's an interesting way to say something. Be filled with the Spirit. Or be controlled by or led by the Spirit. So if it's not me who does it, then why would I have to be commanded to have it happen? Well, the reason is, I might not be the one doing it, but I can be the one causing it to not happen. Here's what this really boils down to. At the point in time when you are saved as a believer in Jesus Christ, God is going to fill you. The Holy Spirit is going to fill you. Unless you stop him from doing it. Unless you do something that keeps him from filling you. God wants to fill you. He wants to control you. He wants to lead you in your lives. The Holy Spirit needs to be welcome in here. And we need to have him fill and lead us. So if he's going to do that, and he wants to do that, and the only way it's not going to happen is if I stop it, then I better figure out what to do to make sure that I don't put a stop to it. And I believe the Bible shows us three things that should be true about us if we are going to be filled with the Spirit. So I want to share these three things with you. I want you to see what like, how do I go about being filled with the Spirit? And I'm going to show you three things about that. And then I, I also want you, I believe the passage tells us a couple of things that show us what it's going to then look like in our life if I am filled with the Spirit. Like, how am I going to act? What is going to be true about me if I am filled with the Spirit? So let's look at this. How do I go about being filled with the Spirit? Number one, I need you to turn someplace else. So let's just turn back one page to Ephesians chapter 4 and take a look at verse 30. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. So here's how I go about being filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 says this. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The first thing that needs to be true about me in order to be filled with the Spirit is I need to make sure that I don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And this is a very simple point, but not a very easy point. You know what grieves the Holy Spirit? It's as simple of a Sunday school answer as you could probably give. Sin. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit. If you have sin in your life, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. As a believer in Jesus Christ, at the point in time when I am saved, God has done everything necessary for me to have a right relationship with him. And God has connected himself to me. And he's taken care of all of my sin. 
But unfortunately, in our sin nature, we still choose to sin. And when we do, we limit the ability of, we don't limit the ability, we stop the process of the Holy Spirit filling us. We stop the process of the Holy Spirit controlling us and leading us. And then we wonder why we don't feel things like joy and peace and hope and the things that the Holy Spirit brings as fruit. And we wonder why those things don't seem to just flow out of us. And the reason it's that way is because we've allowed sin in our lives. And I get it. Sin is tough. There are things all around us that are pushing us towards it. Honestly, there's stuff inside of us that's pushing us towards it. But we have to deal with the issue of sin in our lives. Fortunately, God's told us in 1 John, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. Here's the great thing about that passage in 1 John. That's not a confession to salvation. That's a confession to relationship. That is, God is telling us that if you confess this and you deal with this, it's making right the relationship. And now the Holy Spirit is going to be able to fill you the way that he desires to. We have to deal with sin. If we grieve the Holy Spirit... The filling is not going to work. Number two, the second thing, and I think we see this a lot in our group of Christianity, and it's this idea of quenching the Holy Spirit. I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Real quick, turn in your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and it's a very straightforward verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19. You'll notice... Paul, again, now writing to the Thessalonian believers, he says this very straightforward, do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. The word quench basically means to suppress or to resist. You know what the, the concept of quenching the Spirit is really taking place? It's me saying, no, Holy Spirit, I will not do that. Now, I'm going to be honest with you for a little bit. It's difficult for probably many of us, because I'm going to assume there are a lot of you in here that are a lot like me, that discussion about the role and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives makes us a little bit uncomfortable. Like, we just don't like it very much. And I believe we don't like it very much because, at least... I did, I grew up in the midst of the Pentecostal movement. And the church that I went to as I grew up, the Holy Spirit was never discussed outside of the fact that the Holy Spirit is the one that would indwell me at the time of my salvation. Because if I started to, in any way, talk about the Holy Spirit impacting my life after I was saved and talk about how the Holy Spirit might be leading me or moving me in a certain way, everybody's like, whoa, whoa, easy. Maybe you should be going to that other church down the road a little bit if you're going to interact with the Holy Spirit like this. 
And so this discussion never happened at our church. There was never any interaction at all about it at the church that I grew up at. As a matter of fact, if it was ever discussed, it was immediately shut down. Because there were a group of people doing things that had taken the role of the Holy Spirit and had taken them very, very far beyond what I believe the Bible says to be true. And so what we did to counteract that was we just eliminated him completely. Oh, what a shame. If you remember just a few weeks back when Pastor Lowell was looking at this, he emphasized multiple times that it is to our advantage that Jesus goes so that the comforter may come, the helper may come. How can we say that it is to our advantage if we are going to diminish his role in our lives then? What advantage is it really if I say he indwells me, but I don't allow him any room there? How is their advantage then? And what I've come to realize is that as believers, we have this tendency to talk around the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We use phrases like, it just popped into my head, or I thought I should, or it would probably be a good idea. And we say other things instead of giving credit where credit is due. And then half the times, maybe my number's a little off, we squash that thought anyhow, unfortunately. And we quench, we suppress, we don't submit. We say, no, Holy Spirit, I'm not going to do that. Even if we do in some way recognize him in our lives. About a month ago, I was running over to do something over where Panda Express is on the other side of Martinsburg. And I had to drop something off actually at Panda Express. And so I drive over there, park my van. I'm all by myself, but I have a number of things that I need to do. And I go to get out and I have this thing I'm going to take into Panda Express. And as I do, I see this gentleman, this homeless gentleman, pushing a cart across from like Chipotle, across in front of Panda Express. And it popped into my mind, the Holy Spirit popped into my mind, I should talk to that guy. I 100% firmly, completely believe the Holy Spirit caused me to think, you should talk to that guy. I was busy. I had a number of things that I needed to do. I had a list that needed to get done. I went inside, I dropped off the stuff that I needed to drop off, walked within 8, 10 feet of him, went inside, did what I needed to do. Talked to some people that needed to be spoken to in there, turned around and came back out. And as I did, he had moved his way and he was now across the parking lot a little farther away. And again, I felt the leading of the Holy Spirit saying, you really ought to take a minute and talk to that gentleman. And again, I quenched it. Listen, folks. The Holy Spirit is here to lead us as believers. But we got to recognize that it's not just 
my thoughts, my mind, my... Like, it's not just me randomly coming up with things. Honestly, you know the main reason why we don't want to give credit to the Holy Spirit in that? Because if it's my own idea, it's okay for me to say no to it. If it's God's idea, now I recognize where I am in this situation. And if I truly believe it's God's idea, and I say, no, God, I'm not going to do that, then we got to call it what it is. It's just sin. Because if I know the right thing to do, and then I choose not to do it, it's just sin. By the way, your pastors sin too sometimes. And I don't, I don't say this or share this story. Like, I, Please, I'm not proud of this. I'm frustrated by this. But I want you to recognize that the Holy Spirit is there to lead us. He is our guide. He is our counselor. The issue that we need to realize, though, is we can't just quench. We can't work on our own agenda. We must see God's plan and work in it. There's a third piece to this, and the third piece is really just the other side. It's almost the other side of the coin of not quenching it. In Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to turn there real quick. You may if you'd like to. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, Paul says this. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. So we should not grieve the Holy Spirit. We need to make sure we don't quench the Holy Spirit. But the third thing is set in a a positive and ongoing idea of, I need to make sure I walk by the Spirit. It's really, the way I see it, it's almost like the other side of the coin of not quenching. So instead of allowing, instead of holding back what the Holy Spirit wants to do in my life, I recognize his work. I understand what he's leading me to, where he's directing me to, and I listen to him. I walk by the Spirit. Paul uses the word walk a lot. He's a big fan of that word. And really the word walk, when Paul says it, is just live this way. Have your life be characterized by the fact that this is the way you live. You live directed by the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I'll be honest with you, we got to train ourselves to listen. We gotta train ourselves. And again, I don't I, I think you all understand. I'm not talking about an, an audible voice that's popping out here. But for lack of a better illustration, almost like my this thing that we would call maybe our conscience is inside of us saying these things to us. We're being led and directed. Did you know it was true? Like Jesus did it. Luke chapter four. Is a really interesting section. And, and you might say, well, like, why is this so important? Why is this such a big deal? But I think it's important for us to recognize that Jesus did this. Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus is about to go out and be tempted by Satan. And we see this in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. And a lot of times, just in getting to like the what we'll call the meat of the story, we almost read right over this portion of Scripture. But listen to what this says. It says, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Sounds like he was filled, full of the Holy Spirit. 
If you listen, it keeps going. Returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Why did Jesus go into the wilderness? Because the Holy Spirit led him there. Why would Jesus need to be led by the Holy Spirit? He's he's God. You know why Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit? Because that's the way God set it up to be and to be an example to us. So that we would recognize the importance, the value of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. So if we look back at Ephesians chapter 5, just because I want us to see the rest of what's going on here. So let's say I am being led by the Spirit. I am being filled by the Spirit. You told me some things, Pastor Brock, of what's supposed to be true about me. Like, how do I go about allowing the Holy Spirit to fill me the way he desires to? How am I going to be able to tell if it's happening? Like, what's it going to look like if it's happening? Well, Paul explains it. He tells us right after the phrase, but be filled with the Spirit, he explains what it's going to look like. Now understand, this isn't all-inclusive. This isn't the only thing, but this is what it's going to look like in our lives. Look at verse 19. He says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. The first thing, if I am filled with the Spirit, I will worship. There is no other response that will so automatically flow out of me than the idea that if the Holy Spirit is truly filling me, I will worship God. I will worship him in song. I will have joy that overflows out of me that I can't help but worship. And my worship will not be just this thing that I do because I'm standing next to other people who are doing it. It will not be this concept that I only do it on Sunday mornings from about 1045 to about 1115 and then again maybe right around 12. Like it isn't that I will only do that at that point in time. But by being filled with the Spirit, worship through song will be an automatic overflow of my heart. I'm sorry, you can't read verse 19 and come to any other conclusion. It's right there. I look farther as I read a little bit longer and I look into verse 20. Verse 20 says there's another thing that's going to happen. If I'm filled with the Spirit, I'm going to give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So not only is worship going to abound, but thankfulness will be a characteristic that is completely true about me. In all situations and in everything, I will show and give thanks to God. I think this is interesting because I think sometimes we keep thankfulness to things that we deem worthy of being thanked. Like if something good enough happens, then I will present thankfulness for it. But if it doesn't meet my standard of good, then well, maybe thanks is not a necessary piece. But that's just not the way it works. A life that is filled with the Spirit is going to be one that is thankful. 
Thankful in all things. Thankful in things that maybe we don't even see or have not even happened yet. This idea of just abounding with thankfulness. He goes on in 21 and gives us a third thing that will be true about us. And that's we'll submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Really, this idea of submitting is the concept that we're just willing to serve one another. It takes away my own personal selfishness. It removes me being the king and the authority over everything. And it realizes that a life that is led by the Holy Spirit, that is filled by the Holy Spirit, is going to serve others. Because, as we already mentioned, that's what our example, Jesus, did. We're going to serve others. Are we filled with the Spirit? It's something God wants to do. Do we recognize the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? God desires that as a believer that you be filled, that you be led, that you be directed by his spirit so that you can do the things that he has called you to do. And what's great is it brings about such wonderful things. Like, think about that for a second. Wouldn't you, like, don't you want things like Man, I want to be known for worshiping and praising. I want to be known for being thankful. I want to be known for serving. I want all these things to just flow out of me. You know how they're going to flow out of you? We have to be filled with the Spirit. What an awesome gift. How great it is that God has given us this advantage to have the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's make sure we don't do those things that keep him from working the way he's designed us to work. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you saw fit to give us the Holy Spirit when we were saved. God, I thank you that we have this advantage, this blessing, this comforter, this leader, counselor in our lives. I pray, God, that we would be serious about sin. I pray that we would recognize the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives so we don't quench it, but that we would walk completely directed by the Spirit in our lives. God, thank you so much for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.